0: Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, my name is Hojin, and I am one of the pastors here at Cornerstone, and I have the privilege of sharing from God's Word. And um, before we get into it, I'm kind of glad that um, I'm feeling okay. I don't know why these guys are so tired. I'm feeling pretty good. Um, do we have any movie lovers in, in the house, movie lovers? Um, so, some of you probably know, but tonight, the 94th Academy Awards are taking place, and the best picture of the year is widely expected to be Coda. And Coda is a film about a 17-year-old girl named Ruby. She is the only hearing person in her family. Her entire family is deaf. and. She lives her life being an interpreter for her parents, um, working on her family's struggling uh, fishing boat up in Gloucester. It's based in Massachusetts. Um, but all the while, she has this passion for singing, and she wants to get into Berkeley. we are the Berkeley people? Oh, come <laughs> on. No school pride. She really wants to get into Berkeley. Ruby would be all over that. Um, So if you don't want to hear any spoilers about the movie, you want to do this, all right? Uh, You've been warned. So Ruby's dream of singing just doesn't register to her family. They can't fully experience music, so it's understandable that they don't understand her passion. They can't comprehend whether Ruby is truly gifted or not, um, and more than that, they don't know whether it's worth Ruby leaving home, leaving the family business, and leaving the family without an interpreter, interpreter to navigate life. In what I th- felt like was the most memorable and powerful scene, uh, Ruby gets an audition at Berkeley, and somehow her family sneaks up to the balcony um, where no one is supposed to be allowed And she's singing and singing, and in the middle of her singing, she starts to use sign language for the first time to to her family so that her family could understand what she is singing about. And uh, I was watching this movie on the plane, and I was like, (laughs) you know, just the thought that this little accommodation that Ruby made would register to her parents. It would mean something so um, powerful to her parents. just moved me a lot. And Pastor Bill mentioned in the prayer, we're in the fourth week of our sermon series through the I Am statements in the Gospel of John, the I Am statements that Jesus uh, gives to us. And through these statements, Jesus is communicating to us who he is. He is speaking in a language that is understandable to the people at the time. He is using metaphors of of different things in the culture, things that people would readily uh, recognize and understand. And Jesus ultimately is inviting God's people into relationship through these I am statements. And so far, we've looked at four different statements of Jesus describing himself as the bread of life, the light of the world, the door of the sheep. And this morning will be in a lot of ways part two of last week's sermon from Pastor Danny. So if you haven't listened to it yet, um, you know, the gift of YouTube, the gift of sermon podcast, you can uh, listen to it later today or later this week. So today we are going to look at the I am statement of I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And that's the second half of chapter 10. And this is the first I am statement. With a qualifying adjective, you know, all of the other statements are just, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the door of the sheep. But here, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd. So naturally, as we read this passage, we have to ask, what makes Jesus good? What makes him the good shepherd? So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to John chapter 10. If you don't have your Bibles, uh, you can read along with me on the screen. John chapter 10, starting from verse 11. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Verse 19, the Jews who heard these words were again divided. Jesus is increasingly pissing off these Jewish leaders. Many of them said, he is demon possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open The eyes of the blind. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray briefly before we continue. Father, we thank you for the gift of your word, you inspiring different authors with your Holy Spirit to record these accounts. And we thank you that we get a sense of what Jesus said thousands of years ago. And more than that, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that is present in this place, that is able to move in our hearts, able to make our hearts fertile soil to receive from you, God. And all of us, Lord, we need a word from you. We need to hear your voice. So I pray that in whatever ways you desire, you would use something from this service, a song, a phrase, a word, a verse. Do that. Lord, this time is yours. This is the Lord's day. May you be at the center of our attention, of our hearts, and may we leave this place transformed because we sat under your word even for a brief time. We trust in your power. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have to ask what makes Jesus good and what makes Jesus the good shepherd. And Jesus actually answers these, question, this question, these questions very clearly by saying it over and over and over and over. He says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's what makes him good, and that's what makes him the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And this is not a sentimental reason, you know, his goodness. He says, it, he says that this goodness is very concrete. It's about laying down His life, And he actually says it five times in this passage. Over and over again, he says the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So Jesus wants us to know today that his goodness can be seen in how he lays down his life for us. He wants to know that his care, protection, his guidance is seen in how he lays down his life. And in the Gospel of John, this idea of laying down one's life is focused on willing choice, this volitional uh, decision to surrender and literally give up your breath. That's what that phrase means. And um, Pastor Danny talked a lot about it last week, but being being a shepherd is a demanding job. It requires a lot of attentive looking after the sheep. And at times it requires shepherds to put themselves in danger in order to rescue sheep from predators like lions and bears. Actually, King David, before he became king, he was a shepherd, and he mentions that he had to uh, ward off bears and and lions from his flock. But it would actually be very unrealistic for a shepherd to volitionally give up his life, sacrifice their life for the sheep, because sheep are notoriously helpless. They are notoriously helpless. Without someone watching out for their well, well-being, sheep often put themselves in danger. Uh, I came across this video. You're not going to have any audio. You don't need it, but watch this. Watch this. <laughs> I know the sheep is scared. All that's going through my head is like, so stupid, right? I know the sheep is probably scared, but my goodness, it jumps like no better. Could he have jumped to fall directly in the trench that he just got saved out of? And you have to imagine that this particular sheep would not survive very long in the wild without someone strong, someone wise, someone extremely patient. If a shepherd willingly died for this sheep, can you imagine if there were other sheep like like this one? It makes no sense for a shepherd to willingly give up his life. It's a strange thing, and I think that's why the Jewish leaders Literally, they're saying, he's out of his mind. He is demon-possessed. How, what is he talking about? So we need to take a closer look at Jesus' words here to fully understand why laying down his life proves his goodness, proves that he is the good shepherd. And he does this by talking through a negative argument first and then a positive argument. So let's look at the negative argument first. And specifically, Jesus tells us who he is not like. Jesus begins to tell us he is the good shepherd by pointing out who he's not like. And in verses 12 and 13, he talks about a hired hand. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Uh, I know We don't want to talk about snow, but I'm going to talk about snow. Um, At the end of January, we got more than 20 inches of snow in Boston. And uh, thank the Lord, I was in New York, and New York didn't get as much snow. But then my home was covered in snow. Um, And my neighbor, my amazing neighbor, I have the best neighbors, uh, really, in the world, she communicated through a friend of mine who was checking on our mail and whatnot that she would... um, Hire the people, the company that clears her snow to clear for our house, too. Never asked her. She she just said that she, she was going to take care of it. And I was like, double thank you, Lord. Like, I don't have to clear snow. Um And, and it was more than 20 inches. Uh, so when, when I came back, I was like, yes, we just have to, you know, with my wife and daughter, we just have to go into the house and we can just... You know, pick up uh, our rhythms again. But when I came back, the snow was cleared. It wasn't cleared that well. And to get you an idea, I pulled up into my, to my driveway and I couldn't open the door. So I had to back out, open the door, unload the car, and then ultimately I had to clear the snow all over again, right? At, the, the normal way, our walkway, it was just enough room like for my like knees to, to pass through. Like, the bare minimum was cleared out. Despite this company getting contracted, getting paid extra to clear snow for my home, they didn't do it in the way that I think they would if they, it, it were their house. And here in John chapter 10, Jesus tells us he is nothing like hired help. He is nothing like that snow clearing company doing it for another house. Hired help just simply like, doesn't care as much as the owner. Hired help is tempted to do the bare minimum. And at the very worst, hired help takes advantage of the situation. Hired help sometimes misleads and deceives because they're only looking out for themselves. And in the context of our passage, right before chapter 10, Jesus has healed a blind man who was born blind in chapter 9. And this man, he experiences this great miracles. But if you read chapter 9, he is interrogated by the Jewish leaders. He says, who healed you? Who did this? And who do you say he is? He experienced this amazing miracle from Jesus Christ. And these people who should be helping this blind man experience more of God, they're squeezing the situation. They're squeezing the joy and and the grace that he should be experiencing. And when Jesus says that he is not like hired help, he's actually like digging at the Jewish leaders. The Gospel of John is full of irony. These people, these Jewish leaders who should have helped this man make it harder for him to experience God. And Jesus says he is nothing like this hired help. He is nothing like hired hands. He is the good shepherd who will never abandon his sheep, never run away, and who cares deeply, deeply for his sheep. He is not just a good shepherd. He is the good shepherd. So that's the negative argument. He is not like hired help. And he says a lot more in the positive argument. As the good shepherd, Jesus is far, far better than anyone else. And in the positive argument, Jesus tells us a little bit of who he is and what he will accomplish. In verses 14 and 15, we read, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life, life for the sheep. You know, shepherds are known to really um, have like, this the strange, intimate relationship with their flock. They can tell one sheep from one another. They have nicknames a lot of times for their different sheep. Uh, but this description goes far beyond the metaphor. This is where the metaphor actually starts to break down of sheep and, and shepherd. Jesus knows his sheep, his followers, in a way that mirrors how God And he know each other. How God the Father and God the Son know each other. And that's an extraordinary, otherworldly depth and intimacy experience that God's people can have with Jesus, the very Son of God. And then he continues. He continues to tell us who who he is. He says in, in verse 16, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. In the Old Testament, God is frequently described as the shepherd of his covenant people, Israel. And Jesus here is letting us know that he, God, God's plan was not just for Israel. It was always for all the nations to come to know him, to be his covenant people. And specifically, These people who are not of this pen are Gentiles, people who are not ethnically Jews, people who actually were treated by many Jewish leaders as undeserving of God's promises. But here, Jesus is saying that he must bring them. He must bring them into God's family, into God's flock. So as God's shepherd, Jesus lays down his life for these sheep also, Sheep who don't have a shepherd, but who are willing to follow the good shepherd. And then in verses 17 and 18, Jesus tells us, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from the father. And these words, I think, are the biggest reason why the Jewish leaders got upset why the Jewish leaders called Jesus demon-possessed and out of his mind. Jesus talks about laying down his life and taking it up again. First, a shepherd to willingly give up his life makes zero sense. And what the heck is Jesus talking about in terms of taking, taking his life up again? In a lot of ways, you can empathize with the Jewish leaders, right? What is he talking about? What does that even mean? And obviously, for those of you who have grown up in the church, we have the benefit of all of Scripture. We have the we have benefit of hindsight, where we know that Jesus is clearly alluding to his death on the cross and his resurrection. When Jesus says he lays down his life of his own accord, he is saying that no person is making him go to the cross. No government, no circumstance is forcing him to face the cross. He goes there on his terms he's going there because he chooses to out of a a desire to love and obey his heavenly father jesus is making it known also that he has authority he has power from god to accomplish this rescue mission from god to save his people And when Jesus lays down his life on the cross and is raised back again, he is showing us that even death itself, his death and even our death, death itself cannot take us away from the care, the protection, and the power of the good shepherd. Jesus is far better than we could ever imagine. He is not a good shepherd. He is the good shepherd and there is no one, no one like him. So if, if Jesus did really, in fact, lay down his life for us, then he is truly so, so good. Jesus is more committed to our care and protection than we could ever realize. He is more eager to see the whole world come into this deep, intimate, life-changing knowledge and relationship with God. And Jesus is more powerful than we could ever imagine. If he can face death, be raised back up again. He is not a good shepherd. He is the good shepherd. This is why you can't appreciate. You just can't simply appreciate Jesus from a distance. You can't say, oh, Jesus is a, is a good teacher. I like what Jesus, you know, did when he was here. A crucified and resurrected Jesus requires a decision about him. Either Jesus is everything that he says or he is out of his mind, just like the Jewish leader says. He is out of his mind and he's a liar. liar. Like those are the options. If Jesus really is the good shepherd, if he really did lay down his life for everyone who believes in him, he deserves our complete trust, complete trust for our entire lives If Jesus is the good shepherd, then he cannot be a second, third, fourth priority in your life. He can't come after your career, your your family, your dreams, your comfort or preferences. If Jesus is the good shepherd, if he is really as good as he says he is, then he is the most trustworthy being in any and every circumstance. And, you know... Pastor Danny, Pastor Bill, Pastor, Pastor... I'm talking to myself about their person, sorry. Uh, I, <laughs> we were talking a lot about the retreat yesterday. And it was such a sweet time, wasn't it, for those who were there? And we were able to hear two testimonies from people in our congregation about what they experienced uh, in the past two years, and some of that was actually very difficult and, and heavy. And at the same time, they... We're able to share that those very difficult and heavy things were how God taught them who he is. Lessons that they will never, ever forget. And I have to confess uh, to you all that the past two years have been really difficult for me too. Uh, While (laughs) my wife and I, we received the sweetest gift of our first child, our daughter, two weeks into the pandemic, two weeks into lockdown. She is the best thing that has happened in the past two years. Uh, There's been a lot of grieving. There's been a lot of grieving over different things in my life and in the lives of those around me to the point where I've been struggling pretty significantly with depression. And I don't say that to make you worry about me. I, I say that as, as a means of transparency because there have been days where I felt pretty numb and pretty stuck in darkness. I'm wondering if God would help me. And, you know, if I'm completely honest, if I, I wondered if God had you know forgotten about me if he abandoned me and i have questioned uh, i have questioned god's goodness a lot the past 2 years and circumstances have actually not changed much but someone must be praying for me over the past few weeks i've had some really intense moments of god being gracious to me i have in so many different ways small ways but so many meaningful ways, God has reminded me that he doesn't start a work that he doesn't finish. That God didn't save me when I was 13 only to abandon me when I'm 38. God never allows his children to be conquered by darkness. And there's a lot of more work that I need to do uh, with my counselor and with Jesus. You know, uh, Jackie Hill Perry, she has a hoodie hoodie. Uh, that says Jesus plus therapy, and I'm, I'm a full advocate of that. But through studying John chapter 10, and even at yesterday's retreat, Jesus has been reminding me that his goodness remains true, despite my feelings and circumstances in my life and in the world. Jesus is saying to me, I am the good shepherd. He is saying, I am your good shepherd. And I believe he is saying it to you, too, this morning. I don't know if uh, any of you know this, but uh, rainbows, any rainbow you see is actually uniquely experienced by you. So we can all be looking at the same rainbow, but how you see it in your eyes is like a unique gift to you compared to the person you're standing right next to. And uh, this is a picture of a rainbow my wife and I saw on a helicopter tour in Hawaii. And I'm just saying that just to brag that I was on a a helicopter. Um, uh, The helicopter had no doors, which was terrifying. Um, But I saw this rainbow. (laughs) I had the uh, rental car keys in my pocket over here and my leg is half out the window, and it's flapping. I'm like, God, don't lose the car rental keys. And I'm trying to pull out my phone to take this picture of a rainbow. And I learned this from uh, scientist Neil deGrasse Tyson. And he says the exact rainbow that we see is entirely our own. It's a personal yet communal gift from the laws of optics. That's why rainbows are always face on. You never see a rainbow from an angle, like going away from you. You always see it. Going across your vision. When Jesus says, I am the Good Shepherd, he knows exactly what you need in this season. For some of us, we need the attentive care of Jesus. Others need Jesus' rescue from darkness and lies and despair. And others need his correction and guidance because we've gone astray. And right now, you know, you could be all over the spectrum, but when Jesus says, I am the Good Shepherd, he has a word for you. His voice is calling out to you. He wants you to, to, to know and experience that, that truth, that I am the good shepherd, uniquely like a rainbow. That's why if there's any takeaway from this I am statement, any application that you can make in your daily life, it's this, that we must listen for the voice of God, the, the good shepherd, For Jesus, right? Jesus the Good Shepherd, and listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd. We must listen for the voice of the Good Shepherd, and we must listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd. Listening for Jesus' voice means having the space and going at the pace where Jesus can speak. Listening to Jesus' voice means we, we, we respond to him in trust and obedience when we actually do hear him. We often live at a pace where it is near impossible to listen for the voice of Jesus. Jesus gets squeezed out of our lives because we just have so many pressures and so many commitments from work, school, family, and and everything else. There's no quiet or still space in our rhythms to hear the voice, even if he is speaking sometimes. In other seasons, we actually know what Jesus is saying to us. The Holy Spirit is convicting us but we don't want to listen. It feels like there's too much to lose if we were to actually obey, if we were to trust and follow him. Listening to Jesus feels like it's going to be too difficult, too uncomfortable, too disruptive to our lives. A lot of times we like the idea of hearing Jesus' voice until he asks us for something that we don't want to do, something we don't want to offer to him. And I believe that this is the spiritual battle that, that's, that we need to wage. Nothing has changed about the Good Shepherd. He is exactly who he says he is. But we have to wage this battle. Will we listen for his voice? We will, will we listen to his voice? A Bible scholar, Frederick Dale Bruner, he writes this. A sheep is a notoriously dumb animal. Remember the trench? With one exception. It has this trait above all other animals that it soon learns to heed its shepherd's voice and follow no one but its shepherd. It always knows enough to keep close to its shepherd, to look him for help. And this is the most intelligent instinct of all. The ability to listen for the voice of Jesus and listen to the voice of Jesus is learned No one is saved and is automatically able to listen for his voice, listen to his voice. It takes lifelong following of Jesus Christ to to experience goodness after goodness of who this good shepherd is. We don't have to know everything. There is so much I do not know. So much. So much I don't understand. So much that confuses me. So much that weighs me down. But one thing that is very clear is that abundant life is only found in Jesus. And abundant life is, is experienced when we grow personally in listening for his voice and to his voice. And an, another thing I think that cornerstone, like that we all need to hear, abundant life is also experienced when we help others listen for the voice of Jesus and listen to the voice of Jesus. It's a weird thing. Sheep has a, have an ability to influence other sheep. There's a story of shepherds getting lunch, leaving their flock along a cliffside. They're eating lunch, and they see 450 of them jump off the cliff because one of them did. Sheep have the ability to influence other sheep. Knowing Jesus as the good shepherd happens over time. We follow Jesus season after season, year after year, in every mountaintop experience to every valley experience. We will gain stories and testimonies of Jesus being the good shepherd who lays down his life for us. That's what makes him good. That's why he is not just a shepherd, a good shepherd. He is the good shepherd, and he is saying that all over each and every one of you. Let's pray together. Gracious God, again, we thank you for your word. We wouldn't have the I am statements if there was no Jesus who obeyed your command to come to the world, to make you known chiefly through living the life that he did, dying that innocent death on the cross, and then being raised back to life to prove that everything that you say in your word, God, and everything that Jesus said when he was here on earth is true. We thank you for your word. And against your word, we hold the things that some of us are experiencing. Some of us are are carrying burdens and and weight and grief. Confusion. Circumstances in the world that, that try to convince us to not listen for the voice of the good shepherd and not listen to the voice of the good shepherd but we pray that not just through a sermon series but because we're coming before you with a desperation to experience the abundant life that you promise that you would say over each and every heart in this theater, in theater too, online, for anyone who watches this later in the week, that you're speaking and you're saying, I am your good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. A shepherd who knows exactly what we need for our protection and care and guidance. The shepherd we need so that we can make The true, the one and only true living God known to the world. So we come before you and we ask that you would meet us here because we need you more than we could ever express. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that every obstacle for hearing the voice of Jesus would crumble. I pray in Jesus' name that lies that keep us from listening to the voice of Jesus would be dismantled. And Holy Spirit, I also pray for those who have not known Jesus like this ever that you would minister, that you would speak to their hearts in a very special way that these promises aren't for Christians. These promises are for every person who would believe in your son. So meet us, Lord, because in encountering you, that's how our lives are changed, not by going to church, not by checking things off a list, but by going to your presence, listening to your voice, and responding to you, not perfectly, but with faith, with humility, So, Lord, be with my sisters and brothers here. You love them more than I could ever express, even if I had all day, all week, all year, to to tell them how much you love them. I pray that it would register somehow. So, Lord, may we respond to you even as we sing, and more than that, when we leave this theater, that we go with the promise, the truth, that Jesus Christ is the Good Shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.